Blog Talk Radio. that we have applies to us no matter what our season of our life or the season of the world that you are experiencing right now. And it very much connects us to the earth because in just a moment I am going to be bringing on the line Reverend Dr. Karen Tate. And we are going to be talking about her work in exploring the sacred feminine and Karen has done a tremendous amount of work in this domain, has published several books, and her latest book is an anthology, Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward. And we are going to discuss how this notion and this reality of the feminine has an impact on every aspect of our lives and the world, especially in this time when many of us are feeling it's chaotic. Are we awakening to a new way of life? Can we find that reality in the midst of the chaos? Karen was named one of the 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality, and she is a fellow very successful blog talk radio host with the show Voices of the Sacred Feminine, and I'm always glad to bring on fellow hosts, and she shares a great deal on that show. She was also featured in the award-winning documentary, Them, Women Healing the World, and her website is KarenTate.com, and I am just so delighted to bring Karen Tate on the program. Welcome, Karen. Well, hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I've been looking forward to it all week. Oh, well, you know, so have I. What more perfect time to be talking about this topic, Karen, And um, I have to tell you, you know, um, what you have to share greatly resonates with me. And I hope that we're able to just touch upon many aspects of our world right right now and how this notion of the feminine 
is a reality that has very real influence. So maybe we can start with your journey, Karen. How did you come to explore the sacred feminine and really produce such a beautiful body of work that continues to unfold? Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Well, you know, honestly, if I'm totally candid, no one is more surprised uh, than (laughs) I. Uh, Because, you know, I didn't start out this way. Uh, I didn't learn about goddess until I was almost 30 years old. Uh, I grew up in the Bible Belt of New Orleans, and uh, most of us were Catholic there. Uh, In fact, you didn't really meet anybody who wasn't a Catholic or a Baptist. Uh, And the idea of running into anybody who knew anything about goddess was... um, Uh, You know, it was practically an impossibility. You know, I don't even know if there was a pagan community uh, in uh, in New Orleans at the time. You know, maybe underground, but uh, uh, certainly it was it didn't penetrate my bubble. Uh, And you know, it took me moving to California. Uh, It it, that just cracked open the egg, if you will. You know, Um, uh, and and I feel now looking back that probably, uh, you know, the feminine was there, you know, wait, you know, on my shoulder sort of waiting for me to awaken. And um, I took a class here in California that intrigued me, um, you know, because I had been interested in ancient cultures and places like ancient Egypt. Uh, and I took a class that sort of led me in the direction of finding goddess. And Mm -hmm. before you know it, it was a slippery slope. You know, I was traveling the sacred sites around the world. I was starting a not-for-profit. I was ordained as a priestess. I started writing books. Uh, You know, and that's like 30 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I feel that there's there's so much to explore here. And when you speak of your your Catholic background, Karen, something – I, I've noticed, and I came from a very conservative background myself, and my family had both Catholic and evangelical influences growing up. And one thing it seems that Catholicism gifts a number of people with is that notion, um, a little bit more so, of the divine feminine, just through um, the mysticism, through through Mary, Um, in ways that we didn't know on the evangelical side of things. Maybe, um, you know, because there is a lot of ritual in the church, which, you know, uh, you know, I, I think people who turn to goddess end up doing a lot of ritual. You know, you do have Mary, you know, she's an influence, uh, but unfortunately she's, uh, she's too passive and benign to be a yeah. realistic role model for women, but at least she's yeah. there, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so there, there are little tastes and hints uh, I remember being intrigued with the nuns who taught me in Catholic school. Uh, you know, I thought they were just this mysterious sisterhood, and that always intrigued me a little bit and piqued my curiosity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, but in, in hindsight, you know, I, I went through a real shift. I have to tell you, when I discovered uh, just how... Um, influential the the abrahamic religions had been you know christianity judaism islam when i realized how um you know how how they had swept the feminine beneath the rug 
and the ramifications of that. I spent, uh, you know, uh, for a while there, I was really angry. You know, I couldn't step foot uh, in a church even when we were on a sacred trip or a pilgrimage, you know, because I, I was just so upset at, uh, you know, the suffering that they had, um, you know, uh, perpetrated in the world, especially on women. And, um, but I, you know, I came to sort of make amends with that. You know, I honestly do believe now I see Jesus and Mary Magdalene, for instance, as sort of the divine couple, you know, uh, the, the balance of the sacred masculine and divine feminine. You know, now I'll go into a church and I'll look for the female faces, and um, and and I will see Jesus as part of that duo, not the one. You know, um, so you know, I, I I've I've mellowed, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, and I can certainly relate to that. It seems like it's a passageway that many of us go through, um, especially if we're coming from a more conservative path there there is definitely um and it it revisits us from time to time too i mean and you know taking us to the present day and the chaos that we see and the the patriarchal tendencies there's something that you talk about right at the outset in your book this notion of partnership versus domination and that really captures a great many things in our world. That concept alone, those two ways of thinking about our relationships in the world, whatever they may be. Yes, yes, and that that is so important. You know, if your listeners go away with nothing else from this conversation, I would say please start looking at everything uh, through the lens of is it respect and partnership or is it domination and exploitation? Because you know what? That's what patriarchy has been, domination and exploitation. If you were a white man, you know, you probably did fine, especially if you were a Christian man, especially, you know, maybe if you were a, a Jewish man in a Jewish state or, a, a, you know, or a, uh, a Muslim man in, you know, the parts of all the different parts of the country where, you know, Muslims inhabit. You were probably doing fine, but, you know, you were taught that, uh, you know, you had the right to dominate, control, own uh, you know, everybody in your family, uh, you had the right to dominate the earth and, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, take over its natural resources and exploit those. Um, I mean, and this is, uh, I, I don't think it was ever intended to be this way, you know. Um, uh, and I think that's why so many people are turning away from organized religion, because they see this inequality, they see this um, really, if you, if you get down to it, this divisiveness, this lack of spirituality, um, you know, where, you know, gay people are abominations and, uh, you know, women are less than. And, I mean, I've interviewed women who have escaped the quiverful movement of oh, dominionists. Yeah, evangelical mm-hmm. Christianity, and yes. you know they're told that they're you know they're only here to, to to make babies. That is their life, and if they die in childbirth because maybe they get pregnant too late in life, oh well, you are a martyr for Christ, you know. And some of these families have seven, ten, fifteen children. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's 
I, I don't know. You know, uh, it's we we all should have a right to live our authentic life the way we see fit. Uh, but the influence of some of these patriarchal religions, uh, and I mean, where some of these people don't ever get a secular education, um, yeah. you know, it, they really uh, are, you know, do an injustice uh, to especially women around the world. Well, it's propagating itself through the homeschooling because, yeah. you know, not only the women, but the boys as well are educated within that. And I will tell you, part of my experience, I spent um, about 10 years in Kansas and um, just happened to be in an area that was semi-rural near a group of apostolic Christians who their women were required, you know, you would notice them at school. They they couldn't wear pants. They had to wear their hair up in a bum. They were somewhat, you know, almost like Amish, but not quite to that degree and there are a lot of Mennonites in Kansas too but I had this exposure to these women who were not part of the quiverful movement but were very close I mean very closely related and what was interesting Karen is how they would attempt to bring in other women into believing in you know when someone was going through a vulnerable time and I watched this multiple times actually experienced it myself um, attempted to pull you into that culture mm-hmm. of releasing your empowerment is essentially what it was. Well, and that's a, that's predator. You know, that's really yeah. a predator. They they um, swoop in when you're vulnerable. I mean, yep. you hear that all the time. I mean, I've been watching this series uh, on CNN with Reza uh, uh, Eslan, I think, uh, called Believer. And a lot of these uh, organizations who are very dominant, who really want to get in there and control every facet of your life, they do. They take advantage of people when they're vulnerable uh, or seeking or needing something else you know and sometimes people get sucked into that before they realize and um yeah it can really be dangerous and and you know what that's not to say that some religions don't do good in the world you know i'm not blind to that yeah um but this uh, i mean look it goes back to the garden of eden in a way doesn't it i mean one of the things i love to talk about uh sometimes when i uh when i'm given public talks is how we have to really you know, reawaken our ancient, uh, ancient pre-patriarchal stories, and reinterpret the the even the patriarchal ones. And if and people say, well, why does mythology matter? Well, you know, mythology shapes our culture. And if you don't believe yeah. that, just look at the Garden of Eden myth and the damage it's done. And, uh, you know, feminist scholars have been saying that for a couple decades now. Uh, Merlin Stone, who was one of my mentors, said she believed that the Garden of Eden myth was one of the first pieces of political propaganda. And, uh-huh. you know, I hadn't thought about it like that, you know, uh, but now I do. Uh, because look at, you know, look at the influence it's had and, you know, the suffering uh, it's caused women. You know, and the and and you know, in this this patriarchy gives men license. You know, if God, you know, if you can say, well, God demands it or God wants it, you can get away with just about anything, can't you? Well, it's fear-based thought control. I mean, it yeah. just it, you can justify anything, and when you refer to a so-called sacred text that that has every 
possible, um, you know, all kinds of things in it if you really look at it. You can find justification for, for any number of of, of um, really horrendous things, truthfully. I mean, even though there's love in that text, too. I mean, I'm not going to diminish that there are loving parts. It's the literalism that's the yeah. problem. Well, and also, too, let's not forget, because this is important, and, uh, you know, and this is something that undoubtedly gets touched on when I start talking about this in public, and I start talking about goddess values in public. You know, who wrote these texts? Men yeah. wrote these texts, yeah. you know, and they want to color it, you know, as if, oh, well, they were writing the word of God. Well, how convenient is it that they're that these, you know, the, this male-dominated, uh, uh, you know, uh, texts, um, you know, it, it's really a gender side, you know, that they yeah. have created in a way, you know, it's a, you know, it's, a, and I don't know, you know, my, uh, even before I was a goddess advocate, I could never really get on board with this idea that God would be that divisive, uh, would be that, um, you know, it would be in support of that inequality, you know. It just seemed too cruel and, and ugly and not very spiritual. But men have managed to get away with it, and women have just acquiesced for so long. But, you know, not so much anymore. I mean, I think women are waking up. It's just it takes time, you know, to break the bonds of this brainwashing, you know, especially if you live in an area that, um, you know, you don't know anybody else and everybody thinks the same. And I get that because I, I, I you know, alluded to the bubble I lived in in New Orleans. And, yeah. you know, I was lucky that, <clears throat> you know, Catholicism didn't sink its hooks into me very deeply. And my family, you know, they weren't staunch Catholics. But imagine, I mean, I've interviewed people, Mormons, you know, uh, you know, yeah. uh, people who've escaped dominionism, you know, uh, evangelical dominionism. You don't come in contact with anybody else to get uh, an alternative view, you know. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm sure you've probably had uh, people email you saying what a treasure your radio show is because sometimes our radio shows are a lifeline for these people uh, because they're living in these, uh, you know, these bubbles of domination. You know, one of my early experiences, and it's true about the podcast, but um, when discussion forums used to be more active, um, Oprah had started a board that many of us participated in, and that was a lifeline to many people because they were getting an alternative point of view. It was just a general spiritual board, and you would get people from different viewpoints. Um, and many of us spent hours and hours and hours um, just interacting on that board. That was one of my experiences early on. And, you know, another thing that came to mind, another board I participated in early on was the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, which was very male-dominated. And the Eve myth was very active there in the sense of you were a woman coming in here. Don't listen to her because <laughs> she has the ability to deceive you. There was a fear 
which I know you've certainly encountered in your studies, of women. Because yeah. not only it's a fear of, of the power of women, and they viewed it in terms of the devil being able to work through women, and that's why I was told women couldn't speak at all, could not say a word in the apostolic church. Those women that I knew um, were not allowed to speak in their church, not just teach, but they could not say a word um, well, because you, of the fear of their power. Well, you know, that that sort of, you know, just to sort of piggyback on that, I think not only are they afraid of our, um, you know, our verbal ability, if you will, but I, I think if, if you really got down to it, why do you think women, uh, you know, in – uh, Islam or, you know, have to be in these burqas, you know, they, I, I mean, this is my opinion, you know, but I feel like, sure, they give other reasons for this, and it really isn't, um, you know, this this isn't, a, a, you know, the burqa and veiling isn't ordained by Muhammad or anything like that. It's really a, a, a misconception that goes back a very long time, and most Muslims don't even understand it themselves. It's just something that's caught on in culture and is perpetuated, and and uh, that's a whole different subject. But where I'm going with this is, is the sexuality, um, yes. it, you know, because I think that's another thing that some men are desperately afraid of, and they feel it gives women too much power, and rather than allow um, set, you know, sacred sexuality or sexuality to uh, play out in people's life in a normal way. You know, they try to distort it. Uh, they try yes. to hide it. They try to demonize it. And one of those symptoms of that, I think, is the veiling and the burqas. And, um, you know, like these young women you described, you know, uh, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with being modest, but, I mean, these poor women, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, <laughs> Their their lives are very limited, you know, when it comes to uh, the things they can do to beautify themselves or be the best that they can be. They were utterly subjugated, and believe it or not, in the modern day, and I'm sure this doesn't surprise you, but it may surprise the audience, I personally knew my neighbors who were doing arranged marriages of their teen daughters. Basically, um, they they didn't have... I mean, it was really um, an interesting culture to know that it existed. And, you know, as you were speaking, something I was thinking about, you know, another thing beyond even the sexuality, I feel, I feel that, that when people are in that um, domination mindset or even the dominated mindset, there is a tremendous fear of the voice of compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. They are very frightened of that voice because that is what will change the patriarchy. You can't have that voice of reason in the midst of compassion because that's often what the feminine will introduce into a well, situation. And- well, even Jesus, and I think that's why so many people say now, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? Because so many of these Christians are not very Jesus-like, 
you know. And and again, they rationalize it and they get around it. Oh, well, you're poor because you don't work hard enough, not maybe because there's institutionalized racism and sexism and, you know, all the other ills of society, you know. Um, it's, it, it's it, yes, you know, to somehow it, it runs counter to what, what I think religion and spirituality, this love, I mean, that's what Jesus taught, you know, yeah. uh, you know, to love one another. But that has, you know, that seems to have been extricated from the equation, you know. And greed, interestingly, I think, you know, greed, which used to be one of the seven deadly sins, you don't hear it couched like that anymore. Now, you know, there's these ministries that actually conflate wealth with being a good Christian, you know, um, and, there, and, and, and as if, you know, that old parable about uh, what is it, you know, it's easier for, uh, you know, a rich man can't pass through the eye of the needle. Um, yes, you, you probably yes, know or, it. Right. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter yeah, heaven is the, the parable. <laughs> yeah, 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 and um, I don't know, I, I, you know, my thing lately has been, please, let's promote the narrative that greed is a disease, you know, domination is a disease, um, exploitation yes. is a disease, and, you know, and, and I think if people start to pick up on that, you know, um, it gives people like, you know, who who are maybe dominated and exploited, you know, gives them, I don't know, a little bit more validation for maybe the anger or the disappointment or the despair that they feel if they are a victim of that. And, and it says to them, you know, what you're going through is not right. You know, it's not right that 1% uh, of the population, you know, owns more than the 99%. You know, this inequality that's out there is not okay. You know, this isn't been ordained by God. These people are not blessed. You know, they've just manipulated the system and stacked the deck, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, when it starts to, I think, you know, kind of all get into politics. But, you know, I, I like to always say, I mean, I think there's a direct link between losing a feminine face of God and the values that go along with that and the female empowerment that goes on with that all the way to um, female genital mutilation, you know, the way we turned a blind eye to domestic violence, you know, women not getting equal pay for the same job men do, you know, all of the, you know, infanticide, I mean, all of the ugly things that women suffer in uh, a male-dominated society. Well, I think, you know, we use that term politics as a, um, a label of sorts, and yet I think that we are discovering just what an impact and it has on our way of life. I mean, given everything that's happening, and, and I'm not afraid to touch upon politics in this show, and we have at times, just because, um, you know, there there's a lot of grief um, within the community overall. Um, and, and I'm actually going to ask you, a, a, an unusual question here, I think, because you hit upon something in your introduction which really hit a chord with me, and I know has with other hosts that I've had on this show or other guests, is um, um, I think that there 
there was a disempowerment in this election cycle very early on that now is not being acknowledged. And I appreciate that you acknowledge it because I was one person who felt that it was not at all compatible with the sacred feminine values what happened, the kind of domination that occurred, for example, at the Democratic Convention and even Mm -hmm. before that, even though out of that came a woman candidate, which, um, you know, that that alone was not enough for me. Right. (laughs) I mean, I, I was very... Um, and, and and to this day, there is not a discussion, and this is why I'm raising this. It's important in our culture right now to acknowledge that the brokenness began there. It did not begin in all these other places. It began there um, with the the lack of transparency and the things that were occurring. Yes, yes, and 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 let me and, and before I I go specifically to that, let me say something that I think is related to that and very important because it ties back into it. Um, you know, we're talking about patriarchy, and that would yes. lead some people to think we are anti-male. We're not. Right. Patriarchy no. is a mindset. Domination is a mindset. Partnership and compassion and respect is a mindset. And um, men don't always have a dominator, uh, you know, don't always have a dominator mindset or a patriarchal mindset. That's absolutely true. And just like women don't always have a partnership mindset, okay? So that being said on the outset, you know, uh, we can have men like Bernie Sanders who I think is much more of uh, someone who reflects goddess values yes. than, say, than, say, a Hillary Clinton, who I don't think, even though she is a woman, is representative of partnership values. Um, just like when people say uh, corporatism and feminism. Well, I don't think corporatism and feminism are simpatico, because if you're a corporatist, you are in a dominator mode usually. Yes. You know, um, not always. I mean, there are some good corporations out there that don't exploit their employees, but the day and age we are living in now, most of them do, unless you're, you know, high up on the totem pole and you're getting great benefits and great pay, but m- most people don't anymore. You know, uh, that's that's why the middle class is disappearing. So this idea with the election, I think it, uh, I don't know about you, but it, it, brought this all home to me in yes. such a visceral way like I never before. I was thinking that word. You read yeah. my mind. I had visceral in my head. And, um, you know, I, I have to say something that my experience, it's odd, my experience of the apostolic women, for example, and even women in corporate authoritative structures who were attempting to behave like a patriarch, which often can happen in management mm-hmm. circles, which is not bringing the, just as good male managers bring in, the best managers bring in the feminine aspects. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was getting at here is it can often be the women who um, propagate the, the the domination 
even yeah. more so. It's like it's if they can work in and even unknowingly. So and it is a diminishment of women overall to say that, for example, this election was lost because, you know, of bias against a woman, because it's it's tokenism. I was a um, computer scientist for many years, and so one of very few women in that field, and actually worked in a role which brought in um, some feminine aspects, which was needed. A lot of our technology is broken because not enough women are in the field. It's not just about nuts and bolts. But a lot of things are broken, um, um, and, and it's not, you know, I, I'm losing. There's so many things here, so many trains of thought. But the key here is it's, it is a spirit. It is a set of values. It is not a sex. Like you yeah. said, a man can represent it, and also a woman can be used, yeah. um, unfortunately, well, by the corporatists. And that well, is if she benefits from it. You know, if, if she is benef- being, if she yes. is benefiting from it, she becomes complicit in it. You know, That's right? And but because look at all the Republican women. Her. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, look at all the Republican women who are out there supporting. Um, you know, these these men voting to tell women if they can have access to birth control. You know, look at these. And voting to defund Planned Parenthood. Look at these women voting against equal pay for women. You know, so they, you know, yes, they, so this isn't about the genitals you have. That's exactly right. Yes, and that's so important because there are some great men like Bernie Sanders, like the Dalai Lama, like Desmond Tutu, like uh, Jimmy Carter, who left his church because he said the church doesn't allow women to reach their fullest potential. You know, these these are just, you know, uh, some very famous men, but there are a lot of men out there who um, have the mindset of the feminine just there are a lot of women who have the mindset of domination and power over, and and I really and I and you know the Democrats won't admit. Well, I've been a Democrat all my life, uh, and I would defend them to the hilt. But until this election with Bernie and and Hillary, when we had a clear choice between a corporatist who was yes. going to just keep things the way it was going, which was not good yes. for so many people, and somebody who was really looking to you know, be like an FDR and restore everything we had lost yes. and you know, was looking to you know, move us out of this, this predator capitalistic dominator culture uh, that has left so many in austerity, who have left so many suffering. You know, when I saw what the Democrats did Bernie Sanders, when I saw what the media did Bernie Sanders, yeah. I was done. You know, and and I, you know, it's like you can't unring the bell. You know, you can't stop seeing things. And I really saw the corruption and the domination in the Democratic Party, and uh, I really worry uh, because so many because they really expose themselves, you know. And and I think Hillary really exposed herself as well when she had the option she could have. Uh, taken Bernie as her vice president. She could have taken Elizabeth yes. Warren as her vice president. But did she? No. She went courting Republicans when really I think most of our Democrats, the moderate corporatists, 
I believe they are really Republican white. They're not left. You know, that's why the workers have sort of been abandoned, you know. Um, and, and I took a lot of flack from women about this uh-huh. because they felt like I was a traitor. But you know what? Yes. It, it, you know, they wanted a woman in the White House at any cost. You know, I wanted the right person in the White House. Yes, yes. And and it's what they don't understand. And I suppose I'm really sensitive to this, having come from the corporate culture I did, and and I actually have observed a lot of things in co- corporate culture, having worked at different levels there. Um, is the notion of tokenism, and I know that. Um, there, I'm not saying that Hillary didn't have accomplishments. You know that that there was nothing. You know that she was just you know not without any skills or whatever. I'm not saying that, but there was tokenism occurring, which is domination, and then a lot of nastiness. I have never seen such nastiness, and also right now. Um, and a lack of courage, truthfully. I saw a true lack of courage when all of our, you know, the people that, like Elizabeth Warren, for example, yes. disappointed me because yes. she did not have the courage to stick to her ideals. Yes. And even Bernie caved, you know, and I know he was under pressure and all that, and it's supposedly, you know, the right thing to do or whatever, but it really wasn't. I mean, the right thing to do when there was fraud, I, I know we're going to get on this, I just can't help it. The right, I said it right at the time. I mean, technically, Hillary should have stepped down. I mean, and yeah. said this wasn't a valid primary and we need to do something else instead of shouting down the people there. And, you know, when people try to elevate a certain comedian who is a female, I won't forget how she totally disempowered, diminished, and dismissed the people who were attempting to express the truth. Sarah Silverman. And there's Yes, and there I remember that. I remember that. I was done. She was dead to me. She was yes, dead I'm to me. Yes, I'm done with her. I do not respect. <laughs> well, she can change, but I don't have any respect for her after that. And she was in the news recently, and I have absolutely no. They did not have the courage to acknowledge what was actually happening, and they still don't have the courage. I was watching no. um, Rachel Maddow, a, a, you know, and she's dominated by her her medium but many times i watched um bias um even among you know the the so-called liberal um media and still they don't have the courage to go back and truly address what happened no they won't it, they have they have buried it and you know about rachel maddow i used to watch her religiously i have uh-huh. not watched her since february of 2016 because i felt like she was a sellout you know, exactly. um, and, and you had Chris Matthews, whose wife uh, was uh, trying, you know, she was running for Senate. I think it was Senate or House. Uh, and, you know, he was so shoved up the buttholes of the, you know, the uh, Democratic elites. You know, he was on his he would be on his show raging like a lunatic about socialism, you know, as if Bernie was a full fledged socialist and not a democratic socialist. You know, it was just fear mongering. And I really saw the left media. They looked like they were the mirror image of Fox News to me yes. when it when it came to um, the way they handled uh, Bernie Sanders. I even did a, 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 a 
class on the domination of the media, you know, and how, uh, you know, how the, the way the media, you know, was not fair and neutral and gave Trump so much attention because it brought them ratings and, uh, you know, and marginalized Bernie Sanders because obviously, I mean, let's face it, if he would have gotten to office, the corporate media would have suffered. So they had a, you know, they had a, a, a horse in the race, you know, um, they didn't want him to win because he would have changed tax codes and, you know, things that would have made GE, for instance, who owns MSNBC, pay their taxes. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's so messed up. I mean, everything is so messed up, but I think so many people are waking up to all of this now. But some yeah. people are still afraid to look at it. Um, I mean, I have f- friends who don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> oh, because I'm sure I there th- are people upset right now. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but please just becomes, you know, yes. Yes. But but please just listen for a minute, yes. you know, and and yes. I mean because WikiLeaks, you know, when WikiLeaks dropped those, you know, th- those bombs, you know, it, don't be mad at WikiLeaks for exposing the truth. Be mad at the Democrats because they wanted everybody to turn to Russia and forget about what they just showed you, yes. you know. Exactly. Forget about what was exposed, you know, as if that, you know, there's been nothing that said, oh, that wasn't true. You know, if yes. they had just made it up, if they had just concocted. And and so we really, and I know we're deviating a little, but this is an important thing to touch upon. It is at the core of what is troubling a lot of people right now, and and um, it has everything to do with the topic, actually. It's how we got, I mean, how we got into this chaotic situation is a history that goes far beyond what, you know, the last year. But it has everything, and our lack of honesty and yeah. courage in looking yeah. at the real roots, um, you know, women or the divine, let's bring it back to the sacred feminine. How does the sacred feminine calls forth exactly what we just did. Well, you know, I feel like, you know, if the sacred feminine were restored in society, if those values that come along with her were suddenly not marginalized, suddenly not swept beneath the rug, we would have a society that values compassion and empathy, uh, values transparency and partnership, you know, values integrity and truth. Instead of this, you know, uh, this uh, domination and exploitation and dishonesty and corruption run amok, because, you know, they aren't even trying to hide it anymore, you know, and I think that's what's got so many people people's heart just really breaking because yeah. it's it's so much in our face you know we can't even pretend it's not happening anymore we have totally lost faith in all institutions you know in all authority and it's as if everything is crumbling and and we have to build it back up but but you know i'm looking at that as a positive you know i'm yeah. even looking at donald trump as a gift because yeah. you know it, 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 i think he is offending so many people he is exposing the ugly in 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 a way that people have never 
being willing to show in public before. And I think it has got so many people uncomfortable that if we don't rise up now, we never will, you know, because it has gotten so bad. Um, I, I think that's why the Women's March was incredible. There's a bunch of marches that are supposed to be happening in April. You know, I think this is the time for the start of, uh, you know, uh, it, well, I'm going to call it an evolution rather than a revolution. Call it whichever you like. But we need to go back to uh, the idea of spiritual courage, you know, the ideas that, that the sacred feminine, um, you know, represents, this morality uh, instead of this domination um, uh, in, in, the, in, in, in the clothing of religion. You know, I mean, it's it's like a um, it, what is it? A wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, yes. um, I, I think that's what religion is in a way. You know, um, because it, of what it's done women and so many of our institutions that are corrupt. Um, and and we really have to look at it. I, I know it's hard. I know it's scary. You know, but unless we are willing to reveal it, we can't fix it. You know. Yes. And that's really what it boils down to. We have to have the strength and courage to talk about it, to see it. Um, You know, the inconvenient truths have to be looked at or else they will, you know, and talked about or they'll never change. Yes, and I feel like that's why, you know, we need to raise these these issues um, because sweeping things under the rug is not the approach that actually will facilitate true and lasting change. And I do um, believe that, just as you say, these times we're living in are truly transformational. And we're seeing, it, it's almost um, it's almost a parody in some, I mean, it's almost like, you know, is this really happening? It's like the meter is getting pegged. Like, oh, yeah, let's just totally rape the environment. Totally, you know, just trash it trash everything, you know, and complete corporatism, run, run amok, halls filled with men making decisions, um, you know, and it's just, um, you you almost, it, it's it's so obvious yeah. that... It's um, surreal. It's surreal. It is. It's, it's, it is. It, it, and, it, it, and you can get <laughs> beyond it. Yeah, it, it helps to transcend it when you, when you see that. Um, well, that's what I said. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. No, you know. No. I, and and I mean, in, in this, in the lies and the cheating of the Republicans, you know, like uh, the things that they just did, you know, to get this, uh, you know, this this guy Gorsuch on the on the Supreme Court, the uh, Citizens United, that you know, the, you can buy all of these candidates with money, as if democracy doesn't matter, you know. Um, well, it doesn't matter to these people, you know, getting their way, power over. And you see, there's another value of the sacred feminine. The sacred feminine isn't power over like these people are doing us. Um, the sacred feminine is power with, you know. It's, it's about solidarity, collaboration, partnership. Yeah. It's about creating win-win situations rather than winners and losers like the 1% versus the 99%, you know. Because really, let's face it, I mean, I know this might sound extreme to some people, but I think they don't want to fund education. They don't want to fund the arts. You know, they don't want to, you know, the, the – it, it, 
the more uneducated they can keep the population, the more desperate they can keep the population. That's like their boot on our neck. They control us that way. If we are fearful, uh, if we don't have the knowledge to rise up, if we don't have the will to rise up, if we don't have the courage to rise up, you know, they want to keep us down and oppressed. And, you know, even some religious teachings would, you know, keep us that way if we really look at it. I mean, religion is about control. So, you know, we, I, I can't say it enough. It is time to find our sacred roar. You know, um, this is not the time to hide under a rock. This is the time to come out because there are more of us than there are them. And I, and just like Bernie Sanders, I mean, Bernie Sanders could fill a stadium in, in 48 hours with a tweet, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like the stuff he is talking about are the values of the sacred feminine. That's why he's the most popular politician in the country, you know. Um, because what he's talking about, I think the majority of people want, and the things he's talking about are in parallel to sacred feminine values. So it all it all fits. I mean, I, I dedicated that book that I'm talking about uh, Goddess 2.0. I dedicated it to him and, and Jane yes, because I I thought when they were on the on the uh, campaign trail, I thought they were just the epitome. Of, a, of this wonderful married couple and partnership. But I also dedicated it to Rianne Eisler because I have to give her credit. You know, she wrote The Chalice and the Blade. She's the one that got me on this path. And it's her who taught me about partnership versus domination. And I'm just her Pied Piper, you know. Um, yeah. 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 Sorry. I, I have need a to... question. No, yeah. no. It was, I wanted you to... to we're wandering. This is a, a totally organic flow today, which is enjoyable. I, I, that's what I enjoy on the show. And it's important what we're touching upon. But I really do want to – we could talk for, for hours, I think, <laughs> on, on so many of these things. Well, something I wanted to say is that um, I feel like while there is a tremendous um, – you know, there is this roar, as you say, there's also this notion – of, and I saw this in the corporate world, they are us in the sense of the divine feminine or the sacred feminine, that, that energy has this has the ability of Eve when cast in a negative light, because this is what they fear, of building collaboration, of saying, hey, you know, by pegging the meter, it then converts the people who are they into us because suddenly it's like their children are impacted too now, aren't they? Or, you know, maybe some of these things that you were taught by, you know, the or what greed was trying to teach you, maybe you really don't care about those as much as you think. Or, as I've seen many times in conservative religions, deep down, you really don't believe in a God who would create hell. And you know you don't. Many people really don't. It's just they're told that they have to, you know, and they're subjugated. And so even the them, even the 1%, if we can start um, to help them <laughs> to see, you know, there is no them, help them to see, hey, you know, this this really is the better way. And so now we're seeing, you know, some more conscious leadership 
in corporations. When I was um, working, um, I had a, a communications, a corporate worldwide communications role where we were attempting many years ago when it was early on to bring in more of that collaborative culture. And, and, and these are the forces I feel that will truly change us is, is the them will become smaller and smaller and smaller to the point that, you know, it's us. Yes, yes. And and look and, and I and I think the millennials are our future, quite frankly. Yes. Um because the hippies, you know, the baby boomers sold us out. You know, um you know, they started I think down the road of peace yes. and love, but as they got older something happened to a lot of them. And, you know, I feel like, you know, they're the ones that are putting Republicans in office. They're the ones that are so afraid of brown-skinned people and, and gay people and uh, Muslims and any, anybody who is not like them. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how that happens, you know, quite frankly. And, and, but it seems, like, it seems like that's what's going on. But I think the millennials are a much more... Um, uh, inclusive and open-minded generation, or so it seems, you know. Uh, well, and I guess I, I would observe that it's hard to make generalizations because having true. known people who were in that, that movement and they are still open-minded, I tend to think what happened is um, there's a fear. Um, there, It's money, partially. It's like too many people telling you, that you have to protect your retirement account, you know, or whatever. Believe it or not, that kind of a messaging that that comes through over and over and over again. You got to build your retirement savings. You got to build your retirement savings, which are which what many of that generation are are being taught to think about. It has an influence. It has an yeah. influence on how you behave, and it's not. It's a fear-based message in a way. Um, yes. It's always about fear. It's always about if you don't do this, you're going to there will be lack and and it changes people. But, you know, I certainly do know people from that generation who um embrace goddess values. I do. And and I can't I can't speak to the whole generation. I think there were probably a lot of people who were really conservative at that time and we never really saw them surge forward, you know, studying the history. Right. Well, and I'm a baby boomer, you know. I mean, uh-huh. I'm in that category. So, you know, uh-huh. I, so so yeah, I mean, obviously there are some of us who don't adhere that we're not giving in to fear. Well, you know, I, I've been doing some studies on this, and I know we're running out of time, so I'll kind yeah. of make it yeah. quick. But there's, right. there's the thing called the amygdala in our brain. And conservative amygdalas are different than liberal amygdalas. Conservative amygdala uh, is, I think it's, I want to say, if I remember, it's larger. They are much more fear-based. They will tend to stick with an institution, even if it is oppressive, because it is too scary for them to try to change it. Change is scarier than suffering. (laughs) You know, um, it it almost explains why maybe a conservative woman stays with a husband who beats her, you know, because at least she knows what to expect rather than taking a chance on something new and something different. So uh, and and if you grow up in this kind of fear-based family, 
um, then you, you know, that that follows you the rest of your life, you know. And if you don't grow up with uh, the, these ideas of nurturing and empathy and caring and sharing, then you tend to grow, you know, you're the one that's going to go ahead and cut the social safety net then because you – you know, you don't have the empathy. You're this Ayn Rand kind of um, uh, mentality, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, you know, you're, you're right, I think, about, you know, people are so afraid to not have enough money in retirement. However, you know, it, as Bernie Sanders says so often, you know, if we were, if we were doing what the Scandinavian countries are doing, we would be assured of a, a, a retirement that would end in dignity, and if we could have that yeah. confidence, then, you know, it wouldn't be all about amassing uh, this great wealth. But, I mean, I, I, I wonder what the statistics are. Most people probably either haven't amassed it or they lost it, you know. They so, have or they're afraid because they don't have it, you know, and they, there's a lot of fear around that in that generation. So, yes, 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 and and I mean it, we could we could shift things if there was a will to do it. I would gladly pay a little bit more in taxes to have the security in retirement, to have universal health care, to yes. have the arts back in schools, and you know yes. research and development, and you know I mean why don't we invest back in our people, in our futures, rather than all of our money going to uh, the domination, which is the military-industrial complex, you know? Yes. Oh. You know, it's I, I mean, there's, right at the there's end so the many show, things but, we could talk about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I, I have to interject something really quick at the end here, is that um, when you talk about that, I was watching Lord of the Rings, um, Return of the King the other night just came on, and there's the part where it shows that eye that's just looking down on everyone, and it's it, I came to me, you know, that used to be considered bad. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. considered a good thing, you know, for to be watched all the time. It's just so based in fear. And you touch on that, too, I know. And I know we are at the end of the show, but, um, gosh, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm so... It's well, we'll have to really do it again. <laughs> I really would welcome that. And I know Blog Talk Radio would love it. They they popped us up to number one at one point in the live shows because, you know, they're very – and I, I never figure out the formula of all that. But I know – I mean, I just love that you're out here doing – um, the, the same kind of thing, you know, the more voices we have in each of our, our unique ways, I mean, the better. So, um, Well, yeah, because, you know, it's going to take all of us. It's really going to take all of us. Will. So I'm, I'm glad you're out there doing this, too, because, you know, we don't know the seeds that we're planting. You know, we don't know the people that we're helping. We may never see them in our lifetime. But like those emails I get saying your show is my lifeline, you know, it, it makes me know we have to just keep doing it. We do. We do. It's, I feel this total passion to to keep going and growing, and, and I feel it, too. So, so thank you from my heart. Karen, um, and and I invite people to visit your website, KarenTate.com, where they can find your show. And just thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And and uh, I and you know, and I, I, I if uh, one quick thing here uh, for your Please. first for your first three listeners who email me 
at uh, ancientcultures at ca.rr.com. That's ancientcultures at ca.rr.com. If they're in the United States, I will mail them uh, a copy of one of my books. And if they're not in the United States, I'll email them a PDF copy. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I invite our audience to take advantage of that. Thank you so, so much for having um, me, and I look forward to continuing this some other time. <laughs> me too, me too. Thank you so much, and and I will talk to you soon. Take All right, care. have a great weekend. Bye. You too. Quick note to the live audience, thank you. FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you need to go for the next schedule coming up, whatever's coming up on the show. Actually, we have kind of a, a quiet stretch here in in the spring, and then more guests coming on. And um, thank you so much. And now I'm talking to the podcast audience, and you've been with us all along. And I always greet you across time, and, and thank you for being here as well. And I hope you explore Karen's show. You may already be a listener of Karen's as well. And I welcome all of her listeners that are here today. And those of you who are new, please visit her show where she is doing such amazing explorations and she has written many books, anthologies and books of her own. Just wonderful work. I do invite you to explore that and just keep an eye on FrontierBeyondFear.com We've got over six years of shows in the archive and continuing the conversation just like this. This is when we're really in our place of feeling like we're making a difference in our own ways. And I invite you to do that too. Wherever you are, you can make a difference. Know that we can change the world. One person, one voice at a time. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 